Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 369. Prepare to embark on a journey with today's most inspiring entrepreneurs. Have passion, feel desire, live bold. Walker Corporate Law recognizes that entrepreneurs are a special breed with special needs. That's why they're always available and pride themselves on responsiveness and a passion for practicing law. Contact the founder, Scott at walkercorporatelaw.com. Audiobooks.com has over 40,000 titles and you can preview as many of them as you'd like for free. Head over there today and get your first book for free as well at audiobooks.com slash fire. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, John Miller. John, are you prepared to ignite? You bet I am. I'm 55 and still have the fire, John. Yes, I love it. John is a 1980 graduate of Cornell University and founder of QBQ, Inc. If you believe in personal responsibility, accountability, and people owning their choices, results, and lives, then John's message of personal accountability in the QBQ is right for you. Given Fire Nation just a little overview, John, but take a minute. Tell us about you personally. We want to get to know you. Then give us an overview of your business. You bet, John. Thanks for having me on yeah. today. I'm, uh, I'm in my mid-50s, as I said. My wife and I have been married since that year I got out of Cornell, 1980. So we're uh, past 33 years now. We have seven children, ages 31 down to 15. And the the first four are birth children, so we call them the originals. And then the next three are adopted. So we have three adopted children and four originals. That makes the seven, six girls and one boy. And I started my business, QBQ, back in the 90s after spending about 10 years selling leadership and sales management, sales training to, to corporate executives. And it was in the mid-90s when I went off on my own. I left my mentor like all great mentees do. You know, we leave the mentor. Right. I don't know if there really is a word called mentee, but I left my mentor at age 37, which is pretty typical. And I went off, off on my own and started speaking on personal accountability. I created QBQ Inc. And we essentially, John, do three things here. We sell a lot of books. We license training to our clients so they can do it in-house, which is always the best way to do training. And we go around the country keynoting. And we only really have one message, personal accountability. And as an offshoot of that, we've written a book called Outstanding, 47 Ways to Make Your Organization Exceptional, uh, Parenting the QBQ Way, Flipping the Switch, which is a companion book to the original QBQ book. But the main engine here is this message called The Question Behind the Question, QBQ, which is all about accountability. Love that, John. And before the interview actually started, in our little pre-interview chat, you actually made a, a comment that I loved, which was, John, I worked at home before it was cool to work at home. And I loved that because it is true. I mean, back when you first started working from home, people kind of probably scratched their head and was like, well, okay, so what does that mean? Are you like doing dishes all day? But now it's like, wow, you work from home. You're so lucky. Like it's not only accepted, it's admired. And, you know, I feel very fortunate that I work from home and, you know, there's pros and cons to it. I mean, I pretty much spend 99% of my life within 15 feet of my bed. So I don't really know if that is a good thing for sure, but it definitely <laughs> does have its pros and its cons, like I said. So we're going to dive way into one of those major reasons why you are one of those original work at home guys and, and how that worked out for you back then and everything else that you've accomplished throughout your 
your entrepreneurial journey. But before we do, John, we always start Entrepreneur on Fire off with a success quote, and you have two for us, and I'm really excited to hear both. So take it away. Well, one is winners just keep falling forward. It's just so important to understand that we cannot become entitled, can't stand there with our hand out, we can't expect business to come to us. We need to keep moving forward, but the truth is everybody fails, everybody falls. We all stumble, and uh, I've stumbled many times. But if I get up and keep falling forward again, uh, eventually, of course, I will be making progress and moving along, achieving my goals and all the good things we talk about. But winners fall forward. Um, nobody's a loser, but people who do not succeed tend to fall and then not get up or they retreat or they go backwards. So it's a pretty simple concept, but as I've said before, concepts that work are always simple and winners do fall forward. The other quote is from Thomas Huxley, and this is a paraphrase, but my mentor used to quote it all the time and it's it's still in my head because those tapes are always running. Successful people simply do the things that unsuccessful people do not do. That is how people succeed. Yes, motivation gets us started, but it's the habit that keeps us successful, keeps us going, keeps us moving forward. And Huxley said, successful people truly do have the habit of doing the things that unsuccessful people do not do. So it really is all about that flow of habits that I develop over a lifetime and and keep going, keep working on. And it is over a lifetime. And I love that word habit. And, you know, two books that I talk about every now and then, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy and The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. These two books just talk so eloquently and they're not brand new books. I mean, they're books mm-hmm. that haven't been written in the last year. I mean, they're older. They talk so well about that compound effect and the slight edge of just doing the little things every single day and making them habitual so they just become part of your ingrained personality, your, your ingrained life. And those type of habits add up to amazing things over the course of time. So great way to start the interview, John. I'm excited to dive more into that topic specifically later on. But before we do, John, I want to shift the interview because you're our spotlighted guest and we want to talk about your journey as an entrepreneur. And you're a very successful guy as you sit right now. You've done a lot of great things, but it wasn't a straight line to success. There were challenges, there were failures, there were obstacles along the way. We love hearing stories here in Entrepreneur on Fire. So tell us one of those stories where you did fail. We want to learn from that and have you tell us the lessons that you learned. You bet, John. It ties into what we've already kicked off with, the whole habits thing, uh, the whole falling forward thing. Uh, I can recall, see, I was trained to be a true salesperson, and I believe that entrepreneurs today fail because they think that they uh, make widgets or sell this or that, whatever the product is, and they forget their first job is salesperson. So I'm a speaker, and a lot of speakers think, well, I'm a speaker. No, no, no. You're thinking you're a salesperson. Nothing happens without the selling process. So I was trained to cold call, to prospect, to make 50, 60 phone calls a day to continue that process till I reached the right person to set up those appointments so I could go out there and make those face-to-face calls with executives. And I always remember a time I got back from, well, your world, San Diego. I I did a session way back in the 80s at Hotel Del Coronado. Oh, yeah. Got home at... Yep, got home late on a, on a Sunday night, like midnight. We lived in Minneapolis at the time. And I'd only been in the business about seven months. And the next day, Monday morning, 6.37 a.m., got to start early. I was there at my desk calling executives because that's when you reach those people. And I don't know, someone hung up on me or I wasn't reaching anybody throughout the morning. And I can recall, John, I wish I had a picture of it. 
I hung my head down to the desk, put my forehead on the old desk I had in a furnace room in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, in our second home ever. And I just, I think I said out loud, oh my gosh, this is hard. This prospecting stuff is hard and just felt so demoralized. Of course, I had a great sales manager. He was based out of Atlanta. He coached, he counseled, he guided. But most importantly, he had structured my job so I knew what to do next. And I just picked up that phone again and made another call. And there's something burning in me. When people would turn me down or hang up on me, I would get mad. Not in a negative way, but in a, in a way that helped me move forward. And so I can remember that morning, that Monday morning, on a bleak, a bleak November day in Minneapolis, cold and gray, and I wasn't getting a hold of anybody. And I put my head down and said, oh, man, this is hard. Well, I picked up the phone, kept making calls, and the short story is within a year or two, I was the top salesperson there at that training company for about five years running, and then I went off on my own. But it it wasn't because I'm the smartest guy. I'm certainly not the tallest at five foot six, not the best looking, wasn't lucky. It was from making those calls, which is right back to the Huxley quote of developing the right habits. I think one point that I want to kind of bring out of that right now, John, is the fact that you said, this is hard. And I think as entrepreneurs and just as human beings sometimes, we shy away from that because it is hard when the reality is we need to be embracing the fact that it's hard because guess what, Fire Nation? Guess what, all of you listeners? If it's not hard, then everybody's doing it because it's easy and you can't succeed. You can't stand out. If you embrace the fact that it's hard and you know that other people are quitting and giving up and not picking up that phone again, you need to love that. That is where your opportunity lies. That is gold right there, John. And you're getting me fired up right now. And I just want you to share one clear lesson that you really learned from that experience, one takeaway that you can share with Fire Nation. Make the calls. Last year, I spoke for a group of speakers, fellow speakers here in Colorado, and and I was invited in. I'm not part of the association. I'm not a real joiner, John. I've, I've never found, found personally that joining organization helped help me. What helped me more was being at my desk making calls. But the point of this little story is I remember telling the speakers last September, uh, you know what, folks, uh, it's nice when the phone rings, but it's only going to ring in the long term if we make calls in the short term. And so make the calls, pick up the phone, even in this day of Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and email Whatever you define as making the calls, make the calls. You know, my son, Michael, he's 25 and an entrepreneur now. He started his own little filmmaking business in Wisconsin, and he calls me about daily, John, because I become his de facto sales manager, (laughs) and I tell him the same things that my mentor, my boss, told me 25, 30 years ago, Mike, make the calls. You know, that old analogy of filling the funnel Just keep those prospects on your list, keep calling, keep finding new ones, and guess what? Someone is going to buy. Love that. Great to have a mentor, especially as a father figure. Power to you for that, John. Thank you for sharing that story. Well, what's fun for me, John, if I could just say this, is any, any father listening that's in my generation knows that it's a wonderful day when your son calls you and asks for advice. Oh, <laughs> that's man. a day. And, and he's calling me daily saying, John, or he's saying, Dad, the prospect said this. They emailed me that. What do I do now? And I'm sharing with him what I've learned over 30 years. And, he's, and this is a key. He's running off and doing what I'm recommending, so he's coachable. And that's very important part of being an entrepreneur is being coachable. Oh, love that, John. Now, let's move into another part of your journey because you have faced obstacles, you face challenges, and you shared one with us that you did overcome. 
But there's also the other end of the spectrum, which is that light bulb. Clouds just part, John, and the sun just shines through and you say, wow, this resonates with me. This is going to work. Take us to one of those aha moments when you really knew you were onto something great. And then what steps did you take after that to really make that a success? Well, here's what's interesting, John. I'm a, I'm a unique, possibly a unique candidate to be on your show because what I sell is also what is needed to succeed as an entrepreneur. I sell the message of personal accountability, you know, through speaking and books and training and all that. So I'm not selling cars. I'm not selling widgets. I'm selling what every entrepreneur listening to this show already needs, and that's ownership, responsibility, and personal accountability. And so the story here is about a year into the business, my mentor, who was a speaker from the real estate industry in the 70s and 80s, he's 20 years older than me, and we, um, he lives in Florida, and I'm in Denver, and we've gone our separate paths, which is normal. But he taught me so much, and during a sales meeting, I'll never forget he was teaching sales material. So he's teaching people to sell his training programs, 1986, 1987, and right in the middle of his talk, all of a sudden he turned and he looked at 20 salespeople, picture them in a U-shaped setting, and he just stopped and he said, who's accountable? for your success or failure. And everybody just kind of, what? What's he asking? And then he went on and taught a little longer, and then all of a sudden his, his name was Steve. Steve would stop and say, who's accountable for your success and failure? And a couple of us finally caught on. We said, um, I am. And then he went on and taught a, lot, a little longer, you know, and then all of a sudden he goes, who's accountable for your success and failure? And about eight of us said, I am. And, and by the end of the meeting, we were all yelling, I am. It was like a cult. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what's fascinating. That drilled home for me what I ended up basing my career on. Because QBQ, the question behind the question, is all about personal accountability. No, no blame, no whining, no victim thinking, no procrastination. Just get the job done. But in that same meeting, that night, in the hospitality room, a couple of the sales guys that had just been recruited, been there three months, were already complaining. Well, we don't have any brochures. There's not enough advertising. Why don't we get more leads? And those people disappeared. And I went back to Minneapolis. The meeting was in Atlanta. I went back to Minneapolis and I picked up the phone and I made the calls because I was accountable and still am for my success and failure. So Steve's lesson not only was important for me to hear, it was almost as important for me to hear that or notice that other people didn't hear it. They were still blaming. You know, a poor golfer blames the wind. A poor worker blames the tools. A poor coach blames the players. And a poor salesperson, entrepreneur, blames the federal government for the regulations and the lack of advertising and, the, and no leads and no family support. But the successful entrepreneur who's really on fire says, if it is to be, it's up to me. That's not new. But guess what? The old stuff is the good stuff. Those words still apply to every entrepreneur listening to your show today. Uh, John, you are on fire. And there were so many golden nuggets there. I hate to ask you to boil it down to one because I really want to go over every single point you make because they were great. But there's a specific theme developing here. You know what that theme is. I know what that theme is. Boil it down for Fire Nation. What's the takeaway here? Personal accountability. I own my results. No excuses, period. John, have you had an I've made it moment? Yes. The key, though, is there's, there's been several because life kind of moves in stages and nobody moves in a straight line. See, this is where entrepreneurs don't understand the, the, the basis of success. Nobody goes from point A to point B in a straight line. We go up a little, then we come back a little, then we go up further, then we come back. Success is not a straight line thing. 
And so when I first started in the business of selling training, I was on fire. I made the calls. I, I filled my first class with sales managers who came to my class. But then I got back out in the field and people turned me down. Somebody hung up on me. But there was a moment in 1988. I'd been in the business two years and we had been doing a certain class that we'd been running and it was frustrating because people would, you know, John, you can believe this. People would say they'd come to the class and they wouldn't show up. Right. Human nature, that kind of thing. And I can remember calling my mentor manager at that time. I said, Jim, we need to just go back to our core business of selling training that is implemented internally. I won't get into the details here. But the key is it was a risk because I was saying we're going to sell, I'm going to sell the bigger, more difficult process to, to sell. I don't want to uh, major in the minors with these little workshops anymore. I can do this. And so we started dropping away from those workshops that we were selling, public classes, and selling licenses of training to big corporations, which is a longer-term sales cycle, more money. But when that started to flow, I realized in that late 80s time period, I was designed to do this business because not only was I selling the training, John, but I was implementing the training. I was standing up in front of groups. My dad was Cornell wrestling coach for 26 years and a Christian pastor for 40. So I was raised by a man who spoke to groups all the time. And here I was approaching 30. I clearly found my niche and my niche was being in front of people, teaching, speaking, persuading, and selling. So somewhere in those late 80s is when I said, I am never looking back. I'm going to sell training for the rest of my life. I can't think of one thing that would be more fun than this. Uh, Love that, John. Now, one thing that I really love about having you on as a guest on Entrepreneur on Fire is that you have had quite the journey and you're talking about it from when you graduated from Cornell in 1980 through the 80s, through the 90s, and through the last 13 years of the 21st century here. One thing that so many entrepreneurs struggle with is the journey because there are those ups, there are those downs, there are those highest of highs and those lowest of lows, and they can follow each other in mere days, and that can crush people. Talk to Fire Nation about your philosophy on the journey, and how have you maintained throughout all these years? Well, there's a couple things that come to mind. One is what we've been kicking around here. Winners keep falling forward, making the calls. I'm always amazed at people who maybe are a trainer on a salary at a big corporation and they see what I'm doing. I'm calling on them, selling training, and they think, I want to do that. I want to go off and be self-employed and be a consultant. And I remember a number of people have sat down with me and said, John, how do you do it? And I say, well, I pick up the phone and I make 30, 40, or 50 phone calls a day to people I don't know. And I can see them cringe Mm -hmm. because too much risk. It's outside their comfort zone. They're not wired to do it. And I've seen a number of these people, good people, John. This is not about good or bad. It's about what we're wired and designed to do. And these people say, well, I want to I be a consultant. So then they go out and they quit and they, they, they join the Employers Association and the Rotary Club and the Chamber of Commerce. And they hope that by meeting and greeting people on Wednesdays at noon for an hour is going to generate business. It doesn't. The best way to generate business is to be the rifle approach to the marketing and just pick up that phone and say, you know, I I know that that VP 
at that company. His name is Tim. He's the VP of sales. I have something he needs. I'm going to be so audacious that I'm going to call him. So that whole uh, willingness to go outside the comfort zone and prospect and be turned down. None of this is new for your salespeople, entrepreneurs listening. They know all about the concept that it takes X many no's to get to a yes. But the, the secret is not in the quitting. The secret is is not quitting. The secret is continuing to make the calls even on a tough day. That's the habit piece. And the second thing that comes to mind is is being willing to take input. Um, I may not sound coachable on this interview. I don't know. But if I brought in a couple people to join us on this interview, they'd say one thing I've been able to do is take input from others. So there was a, a gentleman who came into my life the night after I spoke with Lou Holtz, the famous football coach from Notre Dame back in 97. I thought I had arrived, John. I thought I was on cloud 10. <laughs> and this gentleman, this guy called me the next day. He'd been doing some audio taping for me back in the 90s. I just was emerging as a speaker. I was on my own. And he said, you done good, but I can take you higher. What? Dave, what are you talking about? I spoke with Lou Holtz last night. I've arrived. Last night I spoke with Lou Holtz. Man, I'm there. John, <laughs> we can take you higher. There's some things we can do to improve your presentation. The next day we met at a restaurant and I gave him a check and that started a coaching process that absolutely caused my speaking career, this is now the late 90s, to take off. Next thing I knew, State Farm found me and booked me 71 times over three years. And it was because I allowed a coach into my life. So every time I have the chance, I told this, these speakers this, the same thing last September, not only make the calls, but let somebody into your professional life that's allowed to give you input, fully free to give you input with no recrimination. They get to tell you what you're doing wrong on stage. So the analogy here is simply for no matter what an entrepreneur is doing, make sure that you get someone who's coaching you and telling you when you're off track because everybody gets off track. So the cold calling, the prospecting, and being willing to accept coaching, all critical to success. Wow. Great insights, John. And I just want to kind of stay in that zone right there and just keep having you feed us all of these great stories and great revelations and lessons learned because you are chock full of them. But what we're going to do is bring it to present times, is to bring it today because you're still on fire. You're 55 years old and you are in fuego, my friend. So share with Fire Nation one thing that's just really exciting you right now. What continues to excite me and appreciate the great question, but this has not changed. and It just happens to be because of what I teach. Once again, think about it. I'm teaching personal accountability. That's what the QBQ book and all our stuff is all about. Well, we can go back to the 90s when Clinton was impeached. We can go into the 2000s and talk about any political or societal movement you want to talk about. We can talk about what's going on in this country today. We can talk about the entitlement thinking. We can talk about people with their hand out. You know what? I get entitled. Anybody can become entitled. Salespeople get entitled when they think, well, I've called on that guy six times. He should buy from me. No, we don't deserve anything. So what excites me is every human being at some point falls into that trap of victim thinking and entitlement thinking. But I would say over the 15 years I've been in this business, it's been a real need in the marketplace for more personal accountability. So here's what really excites me. My daughter, Kristen, who's 31, and she's on my team. She goes all over the country. She's 31, John, and she's talking to groups about, hey, let's not be entitled. Now, think about that. 
a Gen Xer or whatever she is, you know, Gen Y, I forgot now. Oh, millennial. She's a millennial. She's my generation. So you tell me, I got to, I got to figure this out. She's a millennial and she'll go out and she'll teach. Let's get rid of the blame. Let's get rid of the victim thinking. Let's get rid of the procrastination. Let's get rid of the waiting for someone to help us, support us and get us to succeed. No, let's ask the QBQs. What can I do to succeed? What can I do to move forward? How can I contribute to the world today? It sure beats, why don't I get more support? When is someone going to train me and who's going to solve this problem? So that's what we teach at QBQ. Take those lousy questions, turn them into the question behind the question. What can I do? And that material, John, your question was, why am I excited? Is because it never gets old. I have clients that call me now and I'll say, well, Jack, where'd you hear, hear of me? He goes, well, I saw you speak in 1998 at Wells Fargo. <laughs> Gotta be kidding me. Now you're the VP of procurement at Caterpillar and you want me to come speak? Why is that, Jack? Well, that QBQ message on accountability has stuck with me all these years. And so what excites me is about our product that we're selling. It's always timeless. It's not timely. It's timeless. See, we have a belief here at at QBQ Inc., John, the old stuff is the good stuff. And that applies to entrepreneurs. Oh, we think Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn is going to bring us business. Well, maybe it will. Maybe I'm too retro. But I still think picking up the phone and contacting people, getting a hold of them, prospecting, pursuing, chasing, persuading, all those things are necessary to succeed as an entrepreneur. You can't sit back and wait for others to do it for you. Wow, John. Well said. And let's now take a minute to thank our sponsors. Did you just hear that? I could have sworn someone said something about a free audiobook. All right. I almost forgot to tell you that audiobooks.com is offering Fire Nation your first book for free at audiobooks.com slash fire. Don't worry. No strings attached. With audiobooks.com, you can listen instantly anywhere from your Apple or Android device or straight from your PC or tablet with a great online library of over 40,000 titles, including several of the best business book recommendations you've heard right here from top entrepreneurs. You're sure to find those titles you've been meaning to read for years. Audiobooks.com also offers great membership benefits like one audiobook per month plus 33% off each additional title you listen to. You can even preview as many books as you want for free to ensure you're only getting the ones that you enjoy listening to. Get your first book for free at audiobooks.com slash fire. The name isn't that convincing when you're thinking small, boutique. They sound like a pretty big deal. They have all kinds of experience and specialize in lots of things that other law firms probably never take a second glance at. Who am I talking about? Walker Corporate Law, where their mission is to protect entrepreneurs and help them succeed. At Walker Corporate Law, they recognize that entrepreneurs are a special breed with special needs. That's why they're always available via email or cell to help you out, and they pride themselves on responsiveness, attentiveness, and a passion for practicing law. Sound pretty good? I think so, too. They also have a crew of lawyers who all have at least 10 to 25 years of experience. No junior lawyers getting on-the-job training in their house. If you're looking for a boutique corporate law firm who is ready to get to know you and your business, then contact the founder, Scott at WalkerCorporateLaw.com today. That's Scott at WalkerCorporateLaw.com. And this is just a perfect segue to my favorite part of the show, which is the lightning round. And this is where I get to ask you a series of questions and you come back at us, John, 
Inspire Nation style with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? (laughs) I'll do my best. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? That is so simple. Nobody in my family had ever been one. Nobody in my family had ever created a company, created a product, taken that kind of risk and gone out and sold. So when I left Cornell in 1980 and I joined a big company called Cargill, one of the largest privately held employers in the world, hundreds of thousands of employees, and I was a grain trader. I would buy corn and wheat and soybeans and I was bored to death. See, that's a key to being an entrepreneur. The minute I left Cargill, where I was in a career that was boring to me, that was five years of boredom, but I needed it so I could find out what excited me. That's the key. And when I found out what excited me, all of a sudden I wasn't working from eight to five. I was working from six to seven because I loved what I do. But my family, nobody in my family had ever been an entrepreneur. So it just never occurred to me. It never even crossed my mind, John, that I should try to create a product and sell it in the marketplace. So I did what everybody else in my family did. I went out and got a salaried position. Five years later, I realized this isn't right for me. What is the best advice you've ever received? Anything to do with simplicity. Uh, My mentor, Steve, used to talk about the principle of concentration. Uh, A a company, an organization, whatever you want to use, dominates a market when they concentrate. And it's so important to concentrate. I I chuckled today. I don't mean to sound disrespectful of colleagues in my business, but you can go out and look look at speakers' websites. And guess what they talk about, John? Everything. (laughs) They can do leadership. They can do customer service. They can do team building. They can do supervisory skills. They can do basket weaving. They can talk about everything. And I look at those websites and I think, huh, I talk about one thing personal accountability. That's the principle of concentration. So now when a corporation calls what's called a speaker's bureau and says, hey, we need a speaker on accountability, those speaker's bureaus think of one guy because I built my career on one simple message and I've stayed with that message over time. So simple, simplicity, concentration, staying focused, all those are keys. Don't try to get into too many things. Find your niche and dominate. John, can you share one of your personal habits that you believe attributes to your success? My children, if they were all on this interview, would say, oh, that's easy. My, my daughter, Kristen, the one who works for us now, uh, coined this great phrase years ago. Here it is. She said, bump into my dad at an airport and pretend you don't know him and he'll give you a free book. <laughs> what that means, she coined that phrase when she was about 20. What that means is she watched me as she was growing up, no matter where we went, to church, out to a restaurant, to a ball game, wherever we went, John, I would casually chat with people and I would end up saying, so what do you do for a living? What does your wife do? If the person was 19, I'd say, what does your dad do? What does your mom do? Oh, oh, they're a VP at Thermal King? Huh. I'll have to give him a call. I was always prospecting. My mind was always intrigued with what do people do? It's that curiosity factor, but it's curiosity with a purpose. I never wasted people's time with chit-chat. I would ask questions to gain information that I could use in a positive way to get a hold of my next prospect. And even at 55 today, where I really don't need to prospect anymore, John, because my phone does ring, I still ask people, so what's your dad do? What's your mom do? I'm always in a mode of saying, there's got to be another person out there I can help with my product. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, John, what would it be? I'd always recommend the old stuff. The old stuff is the good stuff. So, you know, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. 
Napoleon Hill's Law of Success. Uh, they're not faddish, F-A-D. They're not current and trendy. Well, they're current because they're timeless. So anything that goes back to the tenets, the basic principles of life success, that's what I would recommend. You know, all these books nowadays on leadership and service and all that stuff, there's just so much fluff out there, John. So much fluff. You know, customer service. We've got some ideas around here about customer service. It's called returning the call. It's called responding to the email quickly. It's called being pleasant and polite. Those kinds of fundamentals, they're there. They've been taught by good people for years. Go back to those fundamentals. So any book you can find, like a Think and Grow Rich, that teaches those basics. I don't mind the word basic. People say, oh, well, it's just basic. Well, guess what? Too many entrepreneurs have missed the basics. Too many salespeople have missed the basics. They're waiting for the phone to ring. They're thinking going to meetings will create business. No, the basics are reaching out to the marketplace, making the calls, prospecting, and doing our job, getting a hold of people. So the older books, I think, are the better books. Be better at the basics. And Fire Nation, if you haven't already, you can get the audio version of this book, They Can Grow Rich, for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And John, this next question is my favorite, but it's kind of tricky. So take your time, digest it, then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? Wow, that's a, that's a challenging question, John. I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is create a product people need. Now, that sounds so basic, doesn't it? It sounds so simple. But the goal is always, no matter where you are, create a product that touches people's human emotions, some things they want, something they want and they need. So if I only had $500 and a laptop, obviously, I'd look around the world and say, huh, what's lacking? Well, in my case, what's lacking is personal accountability, just about <laughs> everywhere. Blame, thinking, procrastination. But my next thought would be, who can I find? Who can I call? Who can I contact? It's always about reaching the next person. I have been amazed in my own career, people that hire me today that I don't know, but they'll say, yeah, you gave my brother-in-law a book on the airplane several years ago. And I don't even remember the moment, but be generous, make the calls and prospect, but fundamentally find something that people want and need. And for me, that's personal accountability. No matter what world you put me in, John, that's going to be a big need. John, I have no doubt that you'd be making 40 to 50 phone calls a day in that new world, and you'd know everybody's name in that area before long. And I have just really enjoyed hearing your journey and you sharing so many words of wisdom. Give Fire Nation the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Well, the best way to communicate with us is just go to qbq.com. QBQ stands for the question behind the question. We've owned that website since 1998. It's pretty organic out there. If you type in John Miller personal accountability, you'll find us. However, just go to qbq.com and you'll learn all about the things we do. Love it, John. And Fire Nation is well aware that they can find everything that we've talked about, the book, the words of wisdom, your contact information, eofire.com. Go to the podcast tab. John is hanging out in the archives or just type in Miller in the search bar. It'll take you right to his show notes page. And John, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. 
Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. How do I create a podcast? How do I grow my audience? How do I get great guests? How do I monetize? All these questions and more are answered at podcastersparadise.com. For one price, you will unlock the gate to access all the wonders of Podcasters Paradise. The video tutorials, the forum of fellow podcasters, the private webinars with today's top experts, and more. What are you waiting for? Head on over to podcastersparadise.com today. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite.